You are tuned into the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast, but just before kickoff, I'd love to alert you all about a brand new product on the Fox Sports Podcast Network, The Splash, hosted by myself, Phil Pryor. It's a short, sharp, Monday to Friday production, looking at the Fox Sports website's major headlines, stories, and part of the process too. Please search and subscribe. That's The Splash on iTunes and also Spotify now. Thanks for your attention. Now time for the show. This is the Fox Motorsports Supercars Podcast. Now with more Bathurst winners. Welcome to the Fox Sports Motorsport Supercars Podcast. I'm your host, the Pit Lane Rogue, AJ. And this week we've got, as our usual guys, Will Dale from foxsports.com.au. Hello, hello. And David Reynolds. We've finally got you, you to Sydney it? again. <laughs> Welcome. Thanks for having me. And it's uh, it, it's good that we've we've got the winning pair of you both. <laughs> Welcome, Luke Yildon. Thanks, mate. Great to be here. It's only obviously taking the biggest race of the year for Davey to turn up. Is that, is that how it works? <laughs> well, well, no, they're too tight <clears throat> to fly me up. Uh. We, well, he's either somewhere in Melbourne or somewhere on holidays. I oh, know. It's the last <laughs> couple of times. I've always been on holidays, haven't yeah. I? Yeah. Thank you for not being in Bali. Thank you for not being in Italy. I oh, know. Thank you. France. Then yeah. I was at yeah, the snow last time. <laughs> <laughs> It was. I oh know. You only had to win Bathurst for us to get uh, here. It's great. Yeah. The life of David Reynolds. Exactly. Tell you what. It, technically, crazy. the only thing I really wanted to do was go skiing, and the rest of that, all that <laughs> other shit I've been doing, is my girlfriend's That's doing. Look, it didn't turn into like hot tub time machine at some point in there. Well, there was a hot tub. <laughs> and we did say a hot tub time machine, but there yeah, you go. I'm still stuck in the same, <laughs> in the same era. Well, firstly, boys, congratulations. Um, for I mean. Tell us how it feels to cross that line, knowing that you've won the biggest race of the year. Well, for me, I mean, it's taken me, I know it's been documented 18 bloody years to get there. Yeah. So uh, I know the disappointment. So, and it gets to a point where you're feeling like, oh, it's never going to happen. Man. Never going to happen. Never no. going to happen. And because um, it just, I mean, we saw with Scotty McLaughlin, you can have the fastest car all week or, and, and be really competitive. And then obviously, you know. It doesn't just, matter. It, yeah. Exactly. It doesn't matter. You just have to have the luck as well. Mm. I know people say make your own luck, but I'll tell you what, that mountain chooses you sometimes, doesn't it? Mm. So, mate, I couldn't believe it. Watching David cut across the line there. Um, I was up on the fence and I actually got told to jump off the fence. In case, you get <laughs> In case we got a fine or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, Australians we got, love giving yeah, fines. And I, then I got Murph and all the TV guys going, hey, get up there, mate, get up there. So <laughs> I got back up there. Anyway, that no, was cool, cool. And he pulled his knee early in the week, so it's really yeah. hard for him to get around. That's oh, right. what happened? And I actually landed back on that knee again. Did so you really? Yeah, so that's no good, man. There was we a, we there played was a, like a, what was it, Kelso Community College thing for underprivileged kids, mm. like a game of basketball mm-hmm. against mm. him. We won. <laughs> but like, I had blisters on my feet. He, like, yeah. um, yeah, just tore his blew, ACL. Blew the which, knee out. Oh. Yeah. And Chris, we rolled his ankle. Yeah. So well, there, was a, there was a couple of injuries on the weekend, because... Dick Johnson pulled, pulled his shoulder out when he, Scott McLaughlin did the lap. There's some footage. Really? Yeah. yeah. There's He's some footage from the back yeah. of the oh. like, like this, I think it was from Dan Gadane from Triple M who was in the garage. He's like, bash, bash, bash. He's like, oh, my arm. Yeah. <laughs> and then they all like, kind of rush over to go, you okay? He's like, fine, I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. We're good. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just, you know. So I love Dick. And I love saying Dick. Yeah. <laughs> Would never have guessed. <laughs> Would never have guessed. Uh, Dick's one of the funniest dudes in pit lane. Yeah. He's a legend. Yeah, he's got some good stories. He's so funny. <laughs> should get him on in. Tell, he'd tell all. Oh, well, we should. He's on the definitely on the list. We've actually got Ryan's story coming up later, so we'll get Ryan to see if we can uh, oh, yeah. grab a couple him. of... Yeah. 
persuade. Tell a few dick stories. Correct. Mm. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is that his real name? Dick John- Richard Johnson. Yeah, that's Richard. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. No worries. Yeah. yeah. Keep keep going. <laughs> so, okay, getting getting back to the race. The key moment, I guess, for you guys in terms of when you guys emerged as genuine contenders was that restart on lap 144 when SVG speared off, Tanda speared off, and it was just car eight and car nine left. What was going through both of your minds? Dave, you were in the car watching all this unfold in front of you. Luke, you were in the garage watching it all. Well, I I didn't really see the other two spear off because I was, like, behind Percat, like, really close to him. And then by the time we turned the corner... I was like, oh, where's the other two gone? They must have <laughs> must have gone in the pits or I don't know. Yeah. I didn't even know. But, um, yeah, then I, I knew at that stage we were still saving a lot of fuel and trying to race and pass Percat as well, who I think was on the same strategy. So it was uh, it was really, really difficult because, you know, there was a... At that, point of the, at that point of the race, it just started to drizzle a little bit and that's why everyone was spearing off and having dramas. So it was enough. It wasn't enough to go back to wets, but it was a... It was enough to just sort of play with your head and, and you, you had to be really, really cautious that next couple of laps until it started to dry up again. And you've been accused of not really having a go sometimes when there's a chance of a pass on. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> not by it, it, me, just, you know, in general, what, what throwing you, other people under the what bus. What race are you referring to, Will? Anything uh, in particular? Nothing off the top of my head. Okay. No. Right, I didn't know if you were going no, no, no. back to... 2012. Back. Well, I was going to... That was... I was, didn't know if that's what you are angling. Well, this is it. Like, was there ever any thought of, oh, maybe not? Because the attempt at the attempted pass looked really decisive, looked spot on. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I get paid for. <laughs> but I thought, like, as soon as, as soon as I saw Percat in front of me, all I had to, th- all I thought was, that's that's all I have to beat to win. Yeah. Really. So I wasn't going to come second again. I've been queen of the mountain. It's time to be king. <laughs> Kings um, of the mountain. Indeed. Look at us. And Luke, Where's you, our suit? We need to be wearing suits and shit. Like, suit of what? <laughs> a cape. Yeah, and a crown. Yeah, but that's a bit. I would rather be wearing a suit like McGregor. Okay. Conor McGregor. Yeah. Right. With the pinstriping and everything. You know the one. Right? I know the one. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's all I really. That's all I thought about. And but at that time, we were still saving fuel and and trying to race to a number, which was like it was like. Th- Know, three point yeah, it was, it was touch and go. Three point four yeah. liters a lap or something, which is what do we run flat out? Is it it's over four in it? Yeah, I think it's just over four. Yeah, Ooh. so we had to like had to save, save a lot, a lot yeah. Of la- yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Like we pitted at lap twenty nine, and we normally get twenty four laps out of a tank, so we had to save five laps of fuel somehow, wow. which is a shit ton. Yeah, no. but it saved you in the in the long run, getting towards the end. So exactly, but so the the safety cars really helped us get home. That safety car and then the one after that, the Simona one was... Yep. After the Simona one, we had enough fuel saved that we could go flat out. Well, it looked like Coulthard was was a special on fuel because he was, you know, fairly... You know, came in for that pit stop twice yep. to, to short fill and then get back out. And everyone was like, oh, he's going to, you know, he's odds on to win it. And then Simona crashes. Yeah. Everyone's it like... changes everything. Yeah, exactly. It didn't change to a drop of a hat. I, so, I, still had, yeah. I think I still had enough pace and I'll save enough fuel that... Oh, would have hold, held him off possibly. Mm-hmm. Never really know, but um, Scott Pye, I had like a three-second lead to him. Yeah. Or three and a half um, before that safety car. Yeah. Before the last one. So, yeah, the rest is... So so the restart comes, you know, you're, you're in the restart, you're leading, you've got Scotty Pye and your mirrors behind you. Do you go, I got this? 
going full pelt to the end, or do you yep. just go... I'm going full pelt. Al, Al Van got on my radio and said, give us 60 of best laps ever. Mm. And I yeah, had in three or four laps, I had four-second gaps. So yep. the last two laps, I kind of slowed down a bit, enjoyed it. But when did I do my fastest lap? Was that third uh, last? Yeah, I was yeah. like a seven third three lap. or seven five or something doing purples. I'm like, ooh, settle down, Davey. <laughs> settle down, buddy. <laughs> so what are you thinking in the garage watching all this unfold? You don't, can't really influence. You've done your job. You can't really do any more, but watch it yeah, play out. Yeah, I'm trying to talk with Alan because I'm wondering what the hell's going on in terms of strategy. And I thought thought we're out of it a couple of times. And I thought we're in it a couple of times. Then out of it, then in it. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, why are we stopping now? You know, and then it got to the point where... We ran the gauntlet with fuel. We're, we're only ever going to win the race if we, you know, if if we stayed out and just tried to save fuel. Um, and we saw obviously waters come in; they they couldn't make it. No. One great great thing about our car, we're actually pretty good on fuel, yeah, aren't we? Really these good. engines, really good. The good, engines yeah. are really mm. good. Yeah, they're they're really strong. There's thing with this team. There's been no talk about fuel saving at all, really. And no. coming from previous teams, all they talk about is fuel saving. So yeah, it's good. Is that yeah, true? yeah, absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. So, well, I've been, yeah. I've been stuffed over a few times by teams detuning their engines and you haven't you don't have the straight line speed as normal so mm. you can't pass anyone you can't race anyone that happened to me in 2015 um they detuned my engine a little bit to save fuel to trim it out a bit but they sacrifice overall power and yeah, i couldn't pass anyone yeah it sucked but that i mean those going back on your point look those wall control engines were first second mm-hmm. and fourth, fourth yep. yeah and that's that's got to be a good endorsement for uh, you know, not just for your team for the next year, but kind of for the you know Walkinshaw Andretti United team as well. They've got a strong base <laughs> to work from to then go forward. Have they changed their name already? Well, yeah. it's they Gen- January year. one. Yeah, Walking yeah. Unite. Hashtag Walking Unite. Walking walk Unite. Unite. Yeah, sounds cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, mate, it's really good. It's a really good feeling for us because anytime there's a good, it's a fuel race. We know we're in with a chance. Yeah. And, and funnily enough, like my engineer always says, like the Triple Eight engines must be real thirsty because they always seem to lose the the uh, fuel races mm-hmm. as you probably realised the last couple of years at Bathurst has been about that yeah yeah they, they've um, yeah it's come down to fuel a few times yeah in the last few years so um, I was going to say look the, the podium celebration we're all thinking I was standing in the media centre with our with our marketing guys and going and I just worded him up and I was like <laughs> What's this anything could happen here. <laughs> <laughs> There's likely to be anything happen. As we, you know, discussing off air, you, that we were, you know, all tipping the full go, but as your... Uh... <laughs> Is it what I wanted to do? Yeah. I told everyone if I ever get on the... If I win the race, I'm going to get fully nuded up on the podium. Yeah. But yeah, no. That's all right. And there was no throwing of pop plants. There's there was no... There. No, no microphone. The groin. Yeah. No, the microphone one, I was, Yeah. Well, it cost me money last yeah. time. Do you know that story? <laughs> no, I read it in the in the Telegraph on the, oh, yeah, the weekend yeah. from um, Felt. Do you know the story? I don't know the story. So, uh, 2012, <laughs> the like Wind Cup and um, PD were chucking their boots in the crowd. So I stole the Channel Seven microphone and lobbed it in the crowd. <laughs> then they sent me they sent me an invoice for the for the microphone, which was like three thousand mm. dollars, and I only got two thousand dollars for the podium. So it was actually the Baffus minus one thousand for me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's mega. So, so when you win, does does Betty give you a nice little bonus on top for the for taking the W? Uh, not not yet. No, I don't. It's it's only a little bit of money in sure. my contract, but yep. It's better it. than nothing. I won Baffus, bro. Correct. <laughs> we won Baffus more. Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was I was looking shared. forward to we both sh- of you. Sh- both sh- of you. We shared the driving quite almost fifty fifty. Yeah. So yeah, big race, big day. Big so, day, bro. So, Luke, what does he this mean? He probably gets more bonus than I do. I don't even know. Well, 
I do get a bonus, but yeah, um, the way this team works, they work a little bit differently with bonuses, and that's actually really cool. I, I get a bonus, and regardless of the result, it's how I go against Davey. So if, if Davey's top 10, I've got to be top 10. Yep. Simple, simple as that. So, so based um, on practice times or something. Oh, or? I think it's just the general feel. It's the vibe. <laughs> the vibe. It's the vibe <laughs> of, of the weekend. So, so what does this mean for you as a co-driver now having won Bathurst? Do you go back next year and go, "There's an extra zero at the end because <laughs> I'm a Bathurst winner"? I mean, what uh, does this look, do for your career? I'd like to think so, but look, I'm a realist. It's not going to happen. So, um, I think maybe. Um, just a bit of job security, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, I can get a deal again next year and, and maybe make it a, a couple of years or something. Because yeah. these these one year deals you have, they, they suck. I tell you, yeah, they do because suck, you yeah. get you get to the end of the year and like bloody hell, man, what am I doing? What am I doing next year? If you just shrunk a little bit, you could stay around forever. <laughs> too tall. Yeah, I know. Well, it's no, funny. I'll have you back, Ace. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. <laughs> it was funny. Be. At Christmas time, I had nothing. I had no deal. Yeah. No deal. Lost my lost my Penske drive, and they they dragged that out for a long time. They had an option on me for a long time, and they took forever to decide. And then I couldn't really talk to too many other teams. I put feelers out. I remember actually putting a feeler out to Davey. Who actually, I was doing a drive day in Melbourne, and Dave came out for dinner with us. And um, I just jokingly said, "Man, you need a co-driver next year." And and it sort of half sort I of didn't went, know you went out from of a job, there. Though. Yeah, no, he didn't. But um, anyway, that's the way it worked out. Christmas time comes along, and I get a phone call from Dave, and he said, "Mate, what what are you doing?" And I said, "I don't know, man. What do you got for me?" <laughs> All of a sudden, ten months later, we've won, won two races. races. Yeah. We've won two races. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Two yeah. of them. So yeah. not just one. We've got to always remember that. <laughs> so it's your eighteenth attempt at Bathurst. <laughs> yeah, and it's fair to say that, you, that there's a, been a few teams over the years that have you know picked you up and. And for various, um, various reasons, but does I was standing with a, a media person in the media center, and kind of everyone expected a to all the other team owners out there. How about you? You're all a pack uh, of I've, what, but I, I mean, I've, I've thought about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> really? I've, 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 over the years, I've thought about it. Like I've ever gone on that podium, I'd, I'd like to say something like that, but yeah. I don't think it's the right. In you know, right place to do it. Oh. And, perfect uh, time to do it. You yeah. got a microphone. Uh, I know, I know, <laughs> perfect but, uh, time. Live look, microphone. I, I, you I know. know. I'm not that Beamed sort of... Beamed out to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> not that sort of person, but I'm thinking... Yeah. No, I'm you're thinking not a malicious it. person at all. Yeah, but uh, I mean, a lot of those teams, for various reasons, I think they've jumped the gun. I've made the odd mistake here and there, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'd like to think that I've brought more to the table than, than the odd mistake or two. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's... I'm, I'm glad I've ended up where I am. Yeah. yeah I wouldn't change good. Wouldn't change a thing. Our team's cool, isn't yeah, it? We've got a cool vibe. Team. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. there's no real pressure. We've just muck around and have a good time and try and win races. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's what that's it should be about. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is one thing you did mention in the pressy sort of offhanded referred to Erebus as kind of like a team of rejects, which... Yeah, well, like, we kind of are. Yeah, like it's an impressive feat. Like, because uh, I was going through the list of everyone, like all four of the drivers, unfortunately, had lost a yep. seat at the preceding team unexpectedly. Um, actually, that was one thing I was thinking about. So... With all the dramas that happened with you at ProDrive in 2015 and the sort of battle to retain a seat there and eventually had nothing, has their decision to flick you kind of made your career now? How do you mean, made my career? Well, it, do you, well, just, all right, do you think you would have been... Do you think life would have been better or worse had you been able to stay stay at ProDrive compared to where you are now? Dude, I, I can't answer that. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a crystal ball type stuff. Yeah. But, you know, one door shuts, many door up many doors open mm. but the best thing I've this is the best thing I've ever done joining this team and the sort of vibe and the freedom and, and the feeling you get is it's it's 
second to none for me. It's like a home outside of my own home, which is... And I always say the whole time, I've always said this, I've never enjoyed my job or my sport more than being with Erebus. But yeah, like that, all that pro drive stuff, that's all in the past, man. It's all... Yeah. We can talk about that, but ah, it's all in the past, well, man. Exactly. You know, they've they've got their own ideas and whatnot. They never actually told me you don't have a drive here. Still waiting for the call. Still no, waiting they for don't. It. Oh, they, I, I drove with them many years ago, and I'm still waiting on the on that as well. Oh yeah, <laughs> you just got to you got to make your own. It decision, just peters off. You don't get talked to or called again, and you just think, oh well, I, I guess I'm not driving there again. So you move yeah. on. That's um. That's not good. You should have a some sort of. Ah, uh, look. I think yeah. that's that's motor racing in general. I think. Yeah. Um, it's a hard, imagine imagine yeah. being that the person that has to have a conversation with you to tell tell them you're not wanted anymore. It sucks. Yeah, of course. I still reckon Fire they should do it though. Yeah. I still reckon they should do it. Yeah. They should have the balls to say, look, mate. You know, we're happy with your job, or we're not happy with your job, and we're but all locked all, the front. Or we're gonna four hundred yep. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <we're, laughs> speed off. All they need to say is, mate, we're gonna move on. Yep. And and you're like, okay. No worries, accept that done. and then yep. you go and do something else whether they just don't talk to you again I think that's I know that's something that can be approved upon in our industry I reckon yeah yeah. well and I think yeah. uh, we were talking this morning and I think two of the things that kind of went under the radar is not that just you guys won but Dale Wood and mm. um, Pitha came, sec- uh, fourth. came fourth best performing team in pit lane yeah mm. and first holding team with both cars across the line as well really? yeah well, yeah because Pi because it was you and because it was you Pi yeah, Courtney was was back, Coulthard, and then Del Wood. So you're the best performing Holton team. How good is that? Yeah, mm. you never picked it. No, and the and Will had a great stat, and I'm going to steal it off him, but I'm going to give him the credit for it. Right. I, can't <laughs> remember, I can't remember what I said. So um, <laughs> you first don't the stat? independent team, truly independent team to win Bathurst since GRM. Really, since yep. 2000. Yeah, well, when you look at Techno's victory last year, it's aligned with Triple Eight team. Built, yeah, exactly. Triple Eight yep. built car, Triple Eight data. You guys had buy your walk and shore engine and off you go. Yeah, That's I know. It. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. And to think like twelve months ago we finished we qualified fourteenth and we were kinda happy with that. And on the weekend we qualified second, bitterly disappointed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just show, it just shows you how far we come and I've been saying yeah. it all year, every every track we go to, every new track we go to, well every track we go to, we're a different team and a better team than we were last round. You know, we, we constantly learn and we're improving at a massive rate. And well, that's that's not down to me. That's down to you know Al, Baz, um, Dennis, the mechanics and stuff all banding together to do a fantastic job. Well, the good news is, and we're not trying to blow smoke up your, your ass, but we picked you for the win here on the, on the podcast <laughs> after Sandown and all the way on? through the split. I didn't, which oh. is actually good because any time I put money on someone, they, lose. they go like a busted. And would you be allowed to put money on? <laughs> yeah. 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 We're, we're not in the race. Yeah. We can do. We, we, we can't like. influence it. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You could say go faster, David. Would you listen? <laughs> no. Yeah. We, we actually had a big thing the other week where at Sandown, the, the Victorian police came to us and had like a big meeting mm-hmm. with supercars and it was so awkward, man, because they were talking about um, match fixing and all that stuff and how can we do that? How can well, we fix matches? Well, I guess you're because your data's all looked at by the engineer. So if you're going slow or let someone pass or anything, they would know. They would deem that as, yeah, I suppose. yeah. yeah. So yeah. I just, Funny that I he had a multi where it. he had where he got passed on lap twenty three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks, boys, for joining us. Thank you, Luke. It's good oh, to have your time. And you. Davey, always good to, to Mate, chat to you. Ring me any time. You know that. And uh, that we was will, quick. We should we, talk more. We should, and we will speak to you again after Gold Coast. Hopefully. Looking forward to Gold Coast. Are we end, is it going to Pertec Enduro Cup? 
the ugliest, the ugliest, ugliest trophy in the world. Yeah. Very but ugly trophy. It's a big trophy. The surfboards, aren't they? The surfboards, are, <laughs> they're like... But, but, but after Bathurst, you know, the surfboards are the coolest trophy. Yeah. yeah. They're the coolest. Yeah. yeah. You just got to get them home. Hey? You just got to get them home. I know. It's either that or you get a, like a, a sheep from New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Dave and Luke. It's uh, good you have them on the Fox Sports podcast. Being endurance season, it's now time for a driver change. We've brought in uh, Lewis, a freelance motoring journalist. Welcome, Lewis. Ahoy. And we're blessed this week to have a very special guest who's been kind of on the journey with us from the start and listening in. Welcome, Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske. G'day, AJ and gentlemen. It's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be with you. Sorry it took so long to, to get you on the show. It's been uh, one that we've tried to, to do for most weeks, but um, we've managed to get our our stuff together and uh, get you on, which has been good. I'm, I'm starting to think that, you know, if I'm here, where, where the hell is Davey Reynolds? Now that he's a Bathurst winner, he's, he's too good for you, boys. Is that what this is? Uh, no, well, we uh, we had them, being the, the Bathurst winners, we recorded them a little earlier. So, uh, yeah, they were here and uh, very entertaining. And, um, yeah, it was good to see them get to, a uh, good to see a, 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 another team get to the top step of the podium. See, Ryan, when you win Bathurst, you also have the ability to shift time. So uh, <laughs> Davey and Luke were in here just a second ago before you and I walked through the door. That's very true. That's very true. <laughs> um, uh, we, we live. We live in the. We we live in bizarro world sometimes in 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 in, the, in this magnificent sport in which we all enjoy and uh, and make a living from. It's it's interesting. So first thing, it's um it must have been good for you guys at DJR Team Penske to see Scott McLaughlin have such good pace on on Saturday in the in the top ten shootout and actually break the the supercars lap record. It was really phenomenal for us to be fair to you I mean the the time that he put together in practice five on the Friday uh, on the Friday before qualifying was was something absolutely phenomenal we 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 didn't see it coming and then when you looked at the eclectic sectors and uh, and put it all together and and we saw that it was good for about a three eight it was like holy uh, holy cow but the just the elation that went through the place even though it was only a practice session was was in line with, I suppose, the surprise and the, and, and just the just the sheer spectacle of what they could have been then. And he obviously backed it up, got himself into provisional pole. But that lap in the shootout, man, that's something that I think people will talk about a long time. And we we went from the from the penthouse to the shit house overnight from Saturday into Sunday with how the race went. But we'll, we'll remember how special that one lap lap is for for a very long time indeed. And. Yeah, he, he he deserved that. It was it was building up to it all weekend, just with what where the car was going in terms of its setup evolution, the confidence that he had in it, and and his faith in in the car being forgiving. You know, having put a couple of couple of wheels on the grass and up at uh, up at McPhillamy into Skyline, and then making it down and gaining all that time back. Man, it it was good. I, we, we, I had um, I had Alex and. Uh, Scotty and, and Ludo in my office here just yesterday and we were talking a bit about the weekend and, and I think we all volunteered how many times we'd actually replayed the lap and I think I was about seven or eight. I think Scotty was ten and Ludo was about seven as well. So it was pretty it was pretty pretty cool. Now speaking of vision of the lap, we saw on social media a bit of vision recorded from inside the garage of the moment that Scotty crossed the line and brought up a 203. Now, is Dick's shoulder okay? Because it looked like he gave it a bit of a tweak while he was celebrating. <laughs> yes, there was a. He's he's had he's had uh, he's he's suffering from the vigors of a of a 
career in racing where we didn't have things like the leg safety tray and all of, all of these all of these sorts of uh, of, uh, of elements. So uh, the, the the body's not quite not quite what it was 20, 20 odd years ago or twenty odd years hence. But uh, he's he's gone through a hip replacement, knee replacement, those sorts of things, and his shoulder's been giving him a bit of grief in recent times. So. When you've got a shoulder that's giving you a bit of grief and you start punching the air in dilation <laughs> and jubilation, it, uh, it means that uh, you're paying for it a bit after the fact. But uh, he'll be right. He's, he's, a, he's, a tough, he's a tough bugger and a pretty hard nut to crack. So he'll, uh, he'll put it this way. If, if, <laughs> if you have to get an injury from something, it's, it's a, probably a pretty, good one to, uh, a pretty good one to be able to point to. Well, speaking of uh, mechanical issues there, Ryan... Um, have you kind of diagnosed what happened to um, Car 17 during the race? Because it seemed to be, uh, I guess the failure itself wasn't abrupt, but it, it's a surprise given um, you know, the general nature of supercars these days. Yeah, it's a rare thing to have happen. I mean, we, we're still in the process of, of going through and evaluating it, but suffice to say, at the moment, it's akin to the tension O-ring type, uh, type of failure that we've had, something that uh, was not... It's an off-the-shelf part that, from what we can, from what we can ascertain, and uh, and yeah, we're, we're probably still a few days away from having having a, a better understanding of of where that is. We're satisfied uh, with what we've already, with the work we've already done that we're not going to have a repeat of that that issue into Gold Coast and beyond. And given we've got such a tight turnaround, the, the post-mortem won't really continue until until we've got the Gold Coast prep sorted. But uh, yeah, it was it was heartbreaking in many ways, uh, but uh, I think even with the benefit of hindsight, there's a couple of things that we could have probably tried and evaluated during the course of the race and tried to do what Triple Eight did uh, with Win Cup, or potentially at least try to try to get us into a position to do that. But well, yeah, we're not overly confident that uh, it would have fundamentally changed the outcome. We sure as hell wouldn't have been able to make it to the end of the race. But yeah, the biggest the biggest hassle was always going to be how do you how do you get it back. And you have to, you go through two, you've got two, two things running through your mind at that point in time when you've got a problem like that. The first one is, can you get it back and still be competitive? But then second to that is thinking bigger picture uh, and, and how can you still try and harvest some points? And, uh, and we, we quickly went from one to the other as that played out. But uh, even so, I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that, that there would have been much we could have done to see it through to the end to the checker and, uh, and collect the bag of points. But the way that the race played out, and still having, still having one of our cars with the orange stickers on the on the windows, is is still still a very good thing. Well, the, well, the point that I was going to make is that with the the fierce rivalry between you guys and uh, and Triple Eight, once Scott you you identified the issue with Scotty, and he actually came back to the garage, and you're like, okay, well, this is kind of terminal. Was there a sigh of relief when Jamie had the valve problem as well? Well, you can never you, you never want to take uh, you never want to take any sort of comfort or satisfaction in someone else's misfortune because it's not you you fundamentally regardless of what what I say or what Mark Dutton might say or what the drivers say or how how that may play out in the theatre of it all, the reality is we want to beat them on track. We want to beat them on track at full noise mm. and vice versa. Not 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 with one car you know parked in the garage, getting furiously worked on on the other one. You know, up on the hill there, but but the, the finish to 2010, the race one at Homebush in 2010, where where that was a that was definitely a battle of the two garages. 
um, to, to get to, to get that championship at that time. That was that was pretty exciting, and that's probably the extent that uh, that you want those sort of things to play out. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's pretty unsporting, I think, to take any solace or satisfaction in someone else's misfortune like that. Well, Ryan, you went into the last two races as um, favourites, and arguably all season, I guess that's been the case too. Um, obviously, you know the wins didn't, they weren't forthcoming. So I guess, do you reflect on that as something that's kind of a bit of team inexperience, given it is only the third season as DJR Team Penske? And I guess further to that, how do you rate the Enduro campaign for the team so far? Well, look, at the end of the day, we we want to win races, and we've got a degree of confidence, I suppose, when we attend most of uh, most of these uh, tracks and events these days that we think we can do it. And fundamentally speaking, uh, it does change the scope and the latitude of uh, of how we execute, and that's a very that's a very Penske way of putting it. But uh, it does change the expectations and elevate the expectations. But if you sort of step back, and if priority one is to win, priority two is probably supposed to be consistent and competitive. And right now, um, not only is Fabian leading the championship, but he's also leading the Pertec Enduro Cup standings. So, that's the best litmus that we have outside of being able to stand on the top step of the podium. Well, we're now getting down to that pointy end of the season where there's just three events remaining until all the silverware gets handed out at the end of the Newcastle round. You have two of the top three drivers in points, as you said, Fabian 91 points ahead, Scott in third, just seven points behind that. Is, is this effectively your team's championship to lose from here? Well... It's it's easy to, to look at it that way, but the competitive nature of, of how things play out will come to the fore and will continue to come to the fore. When you look at the number of pole positions that we've scored over the course of the year, we're, we've got the fastest car over a single lap, but that hasn't always converted to wins. And there have been a, there have been occasions where that's been through, you know, maybe maybe Scotty's lost obviously lost some spots with some some dodgy starts. We've had a, had a couple of strategy miscues. We've had a couple of own goals, I suppose, where we've uh, we've we've had the pace, but haven't necessarily been able to, to to capitalise on it. When that's happened, lo and behold, it's uh, it's the it's the it's the pros at the other end of pit lane who are who are basically uh, who are basically cutting through and uh, and making it count. And that's the reason why the championship still as close as it is, despite the fact that uh, if you were to look at it and judge it on outright pace, we should probably have uh, a bigger haul of trophies than what we even do. But reality, too, is when you underestimate the strengths of your competition, you're likely to make mistakes. So despite the fact we're in a strong position as we may want to be in, we can't take for granted that we've still got three events remaining and and with that, all of the points that can be won or lost and, and accumulated along the way. So if we lose sight of what the end goal is, we're not going to achieve it. And we have to keep pushing. We have to keep pressing along. I just actually came down. Are, are we still pretending that I'm in the same studio as you guys? Is that no, no. We're, are we not doing that? Oh, good. No, no, um, you're, we're, you're, yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm just, I'm just, just before, just before um, I, I, I hopped on, I was just down meeting with... Um, Ben Croke, our team manager, and, and Andy Atkins, our chief mechanic, and we were having a bit of a discussion about some of the um, changes that we've made and, and 
and and he actually mentioned too that the speed of our cars at Bathurst being a good indicator of our progress because we went back to the 2016 spec tyre. And uh, it's yeah, for, for sure it's something we take an awful lot of pride in. But when you look on paper at, at the changes and the developments that we've put on the cars and, 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 and actually changed uh, as a team over the course of the last 18 months, nearly two years now, it's, it's an awful lot. And we can't stop that push. We can't stop that development push. We can't stop pressing ahead. I always joke that ideas are free. And we have to keep the ideas, uh, the ideas coming to how we can make ourselves better and the cars better. Because uh, if we do, if we let up, we're not going to be able to pick up the the big trophy at the end of the year. No way. Fabian must be happy and must must have really, you know, now leading the championship after after Bathurst with a lead of 91 points. He must feel like it's a not a free kick for him. And I don't want to devalue that, but he must be come out of Bathurst going, how good is this? You know, being you know sitting you know third, fourth, and then after Bathurst being able to rise back to the top again. Well, the way in which the Bathurst weekend played out for him was not. It wasn't. It wasn't a fairy tale by any means. We really struggled, struggled with the car, and 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 you know as I mentioned before, the the synergy with car and driver is is really the the, the first step to seeing success. And where Scott was was really confident to throw the car around coming down the hill. Fabian wasn't, and we we were chasing it all weekend to get the balance right and and get both he and Tony comfortable with what they had. So for those guys to come away with the podium is a massive result, and that was a that was a sheer consequence of of some risky strategy and and some good pace in the dry conditions at the end, but also being there or thereabouts throughout the course of the day. Now you throw in the mix the misfortune that uh, that Scotty had and 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 Wincup had as well, and. Yeah, he finds himself at the top of the pecking order. So, from for, for one side of uh, for one side of the garage, for us, it was a it was it was almost a fairy tale result to find us find ourselves in that position. But at the same time, through Jamie's misfortune, Scotty's still in the hunt too. So, whilst it's it's I suppose it's bittersweet in some respects, you still have to take it anyway you can get it. Well, Ryan, some of the big news out of the Bathurst weekend was, um, I guess surrounding Walkinshaw Racing and their their planned move, which it is, is planned at this time, it's not quite signed off, to um, you know merge with Andretti Autosport from the US and uh, United Autosports from the UK. As someone who was at you know Dick Johnson Racing before Penske came along and obviously has worked through the transition, uh, what advice would you give you know that team if all, the deal is completely signed off? And I guess you know for yourself, you also know that success doesn't happen as easily as uh, a, you know a cash injection. It takes years i guess for you guys yeah i think it's easy to it's easy to misinterpret the evolution that's happened from dick johnson racing to djr team penske and attribute it to solely being a question of that financial stability and security it's it's that but in essence it's significantly more it's the expertise it's the process it's the structure and and it's it's and that then flows into a a question and and i suppose a uh, the continuity that you have with staff and 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 the progress that, that that's associated with that too, it's not an easy job. And what 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 I found particularly interesting and as good as it is for the sport and it's fantastic for Walkinshaw for those guys to have that that uh, that stability there. Um, that if you look back at the Penske timeline, Tim Sindrick 
visited Homebush in 2013, and um, we actually went to the United States and visited their facility in 2013 and had discussions with them um, at the from the end of that point in time. You have to fast forward over 12 months before we actually got uh, got the thing going. So the due diligence and the understanding that, 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 that Team Penske had of supercars and what it's all about was very, very great. It was a very broad catalogue of knowledge that was, that was developed over that point in time. But that then is different and distinct to what you then have when you're actually knee-deep or waist-deep in the, in, in the series itself. So I think that that's a, that's a key difference and a challenge that those guys will face, that if they set expectations that are... If they set unrealistic expectations, it's going to hurt and it's going to burn them and it's going to, it's going to challenge relationships. We had a little bit of that, but that understanding of uh, what the sport was and, and how competitive uh, the, the whole industry is, uh, that, that only came from that understanding and that meant that, that the expectations could be somewhat more realistic in nature. So I think there's a lot more to play out there, but I think fundamentally it's a fantastic bit of news for the category. I mean, you see a lot of lot of jokey joking on the on, on social media about the U.S. invasion and all these sorts of things, but you, you do see um, you do see across the world in in, in a motorsport landscape um, consolidation efforts and those sorts of things that, that simply come from the professionalism and the cost of of going racing in in the modern in modern times. And I think that consolidation is good. It's good for the sustainability of the category too. And it doesn't necessarily, uh, I suppose, reduce or in any way take away from the, the garage type model, if you think about it, from, from the independent and the smaller teams. We've just seen one of them win Bathurst, for goodness sake. So the caps that we have on the series with controlled parts, controlled chassis and all of these sorts of things and the rules as they are mean that no one can come in and, and, and become a dominant force overnight by throwing millions and millions of dollars at it and, and the best and brightest and all those sorts of things. The checks and balances within the category itself mean that everyone's going to get an opportunity to compete if they want to. And I think that we just need to continue on that. We need to continue on that approach. Oh, but, I guess man, the, it was great news. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess it's really great news for the series and a ringing endorsement that we have these overseas teams who are investing in supercars you know, I mean, you know, Penske were the first. I mean, you could argue that you know Triple Eight were the first from the UK. I think and then, you go back further. You could sure. argue Tom Walkinshaw was well, the first. So like, sure. kind of full circle. Everyone's yeah. the first, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but with um, with Andretti and, and United coming in, I mean, there was some chat around that because Penske were in and then Andretti are in, that Ganassi might follow them. I mean, that that's a ringing endorsement for our series that that there are other teams looking at our series as a as a good investment. Yeah, absolutely, and and fundamentally, it's great racing. That's that's really what it comes down to. All, all these people coming in their races. Roger Penske's a racer. Michael Andretti's a racer. Zach Brown's a racer. They love that competitive edge and the competitive element and component of it all. But I think it's safe to say that that Penske put it on the radar of of these guys. And and you're absolutely right. You've got Pro Drive. You've got Triple uh, Eight, of course, from their UK background, and and not to mention Tom Walkinshaw and from you know touring cars through to Formula One and everything in between, it's it's a it's a it's a great tapestry that to, that we've got here, and to have that that renewed interest as a consequence of of Roger Penske having a having a massive massive 
crack at it and being successful um, insofar as how we've performed this year is it, fantastic. And I hope that we see more interest. I really do. Well, speaking of increasing interest, we've now got Roger in the series. We've, we will have Michael Andretti in the series. Both have run and pr- promoted race events over in the US. Does this now... Does this now open the door for supercars as a championship to potentially return to the US? Because that's something Michael said in the press that he was super keen to see. Yeah, I think that it's interesting. We saw a little bit of that, uh, a little bit of that, some years ago when uh, when DJR Team Penske first came on the scene, and and at the time um, we still were, we still had the agreement to keep racing in Austin. But the reality is, for us to entertain international events. We, ha- we can't make the mistake of, of putting ourselves in a position where we're doing something that's unsustainable. I think mm-hmm. that it damages our credibility. We've done quite a few um, overseas joints over time and, and they haven't worked out for whatever reason. I think that going forward for us to, for us to in- invest and, and, and juggle and, and stretch, every, stretch the teams for that matter too to, to do a, a, big, uh, a big tilt overseas, we have to think more locally within the region in the short term, but we still can't dismiss the fact that we have to have that. We have to have, I suppose, that degree of reach. Um, but yeah, I think I think to to to, to say that uh, that this will lead to us racing in the US sometime soon is uh, is a bit of a stretch. Well, Ryan, you look at um, you know expansion in the in the racing program of Penske um, in the US in particular with NASCAR and IndyCar and. It seems to be like you know if a decent driver comes along, they add cars to the program. You guys have had a, a quite linear progression. You know, in 2015 it was a single car for a lot of work done behind the scenes. 2016 you had two cars, and you know behind the scenes again you were kind of signing Scott, signing Ludo, and, and getting Shell on board. So, what's next for the um, the team at the moment? Is it going to be a bit of consolidation, or are there still further plans to expand? And, and what growth do you have left? I guess in the immediate future. <laughs> Well, uh, there's 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 plenty more on the radar, but you just mentioned a number of a number of things that uh, we managed to do without without advertising until such point in time as they were ready to go. And uh, I, I think you would uh, be safe in in your expectations and assurance that we're working pretty hard to to consider and and put ourselves in a position where we can continue to have this level of success in the future. But for us, the two car model is one that that really works. And we want to get that right. We've got a couple of challenges ahead of us in terms of what car are we going to be racing in the next few years. That's that's the that's I suppose the next one that people are already talk of talking about and speculating about. But to two, we want to ensure again it's 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 using words like sustainability of the of the sport and the teams and, and making sure that we can continue to compete with the best. And uh, and for us too, we have to be consistent with these results. We can't be a flash in the pan. We don't want to. We don't want to look back in a few years' time and go. 2017 was our big chance, and what happened? We have to continue the intensity and, and the willingness of all of our people to continue to operate and function at this level, and, and that's what Roger's been able to do throughout all of his history. It's what Dick was able to do at DJR through the 80s and 90s, uh, and it's what DJR Team Penske must continue to do well beyond the well beyond this season. You touched on, I guess, what is the what the elf in the room is for all the four teams in the championship, the future beyond Falcon. Where do, where do you guys sit with progress on a potential program after that? Because I can only... Well, 
I guess you guys are locked into running the Falcon throughout next year. It's quite clearly still a highly competitive package. At what point next year do you have to sign off on the future? Well, I think that the the longer that you leave it, you, in effect, compromise uh, your capacity to resource and 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 get it done properly. So the the longer the gestation period for these things, the better off uh, the better off you ultimately end up being. So the sooner we uh, the sooner we have clarity on, on where we're going, the better that will be f- for us. But as it stands now, you, you hit the nail on the head. We've got a competitive package and. The only the only downside of it is that we're racing a car that's no longer sort of sold in showrooms around the country. That's 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 the biggest limitation. It's one that's commercial as opposed to to one that's competitive. But uh, we're we're committed to the Ford piece as it stands right now. But uh, we really need to see how that one continues to play out because it's not going to be an easy solution. And uh, more than that, we're going to need that time to get it right. So we're effectively in a holding pattern at the moment in terms of having a good understanding of what our short and possibly even middle medium term future is running the same package we've got but the longer term is the is really the the big question mark and uh, there's a couple of options on the, a couple of options on the table if you look at it from a logical point of view it's it's not rocket science in terms of what we'd like to do and it's not rocket science too to consider what our options might be if uh, if that's not something we're able to make happen we just need to let a little bit, uh, a little bit more water go under the bridge, and and serve out some time while we continue to work through all that, and uh, and hopefully, uh, the sooner we know, the better off we're going to be overall. Well, you know, next year we've already seen the um, introduction of the the twin turbo V6 from Holden delayed. Uh, it's it's clearly, you know, a massive amount of work that's got to go on behind the scenes there, and and as you know, a lot of people know, a lot of that's happening in the US as well as um, you know, through Triple Eight. So with you guys, um, is the V8 kind of crucial towards what you want to maintain or, you know, is V6 an option? And in terms of timelines, um, what are the expectations there? Because clearly, you know, if a team like Holden and Triple Eight can't get it together on time, it, it must be a massive undertaking to to change something so fundamental as that. Yeah, it's a tough one because if, if you do embark on a V6 program, you have to think of a couple of a couple of key things. What's the starting What's the starting point? Because we're not we're not uh, we're not big enough to justify a, a research and development program where you where you're designing an engine from a blank sheet of paper. So what's what's effectively the donor engine that we turn into into a supercars race engine? So you want to make sure that, that we're picking something that's pretty close to the numbers that we need to see, and that in turn will not only save time but also it saves you throwing money into you know I often joke that that that. Uh, Sometimes in in supercars, it's it's almost akin to all the teams having collectively invested in the U-Butte carbon fibre furnace, and we're each shoveling you know beautiful stacks of hundred dollar notes into the thing and, and watching them burn up. You don't want to do that with 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 a big with a big change like that, and and embark on a embark on a V6 program not knowing not knowing how you're going to get to the numbers that we're going to need to see. So. The key to that is ensuring that you're picking a donor engine that's pretty close to the, to the mark straight off the bat. So that's going to be a big piece of it. But the real catalyst of those sorts of decisions are commercial. The competitive nature is that we know we've got an engine underneath us now in the V8 that not only do the fans love it, but it's the, but it's incredibly competitive. 
um, GM and, and Holden are going to be the, the, I suppose, the, the trailblazers with the V6, and, and we're looking forward to seeing how it is on on the competitive front. Because at the end of the day, if it's if it comes out and blows us all away, well then we're going to we're going to rapidly need to think about what what the transition looks like for us and how we get there. But fundamentally, in failing and um, failing all of that, the decision to embark on a program like that is one of a is one of a commercial nature. So that will tie into whatever the whatever the future looks like in in terms of manufacturer involvement and interest and all those sorts of things. But as it stands now, we've got a really sustainable outlook with the with the V8 that we run. It's an engine we know. It's an engine that through V8s well, with supercars parity parity initiatives means that we've we've got limited scope in terms of where we can go with additional development, which means that it's not the arms race that it was in years gone by and in times gone by, which is good. And that's that's what that's what all the teams need to be sustainable and and uh, to be able to continue to turn up and go racing year on year too. So yeah, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. There was a lot of fan a fan uh, fan pushback from the noise and the V6 running around at Bathurst, which you can expect. And I know that the, I know those guys put a hell of a lot of work into that to ensuring that uh, that it's got a bit of a sweet note. But uh, yeah, I, I, I still got a soft spot for the V8, but. Uh, We'll, we'll see where that goes in due time. Well, looking towards that future, I guess if if the program to develop a new package is so extensive, are you? There are currently two Ford Line teams on the grid. Will you work with, or are you, or will you work with ProDrive if the intention is to rem- to put a new Ford product on the grid? Well, I think it's only expensive if you do it the wrong way. Um, it's like anything, really. If you make, if you, if you start off, if you start off with a, with a dodgy foundation, um, you're going to end up with a fairly rickety old house, and and we just don't want to do that. We want to make sure that we make the right decisions in the first instance, and and do the planning as such that allows us to get to that point. But when it comes to our relationship with ProDrive, there's obviously the history that that goes back to DJR being their their loyal and dedicated bill-paying customer. As it stands today, we we work together hand in hand on on a number of uh, a number of different initiatives and a fairly fairly well in lockstep with uh, with with our thoughts and our processes as towards what it is that comes next. So I don't see any reason why that would change at all. I mean, they're they're good people. They've got a tremendous amount of uh, a tremendous amount of ability with uh, with their staff and their their resources down there. I mean, they were responsible for the FGX package that we're winning races in now. So I think we're only going to be stronger when we combine our efforts to work towards whatever the next thing is. And, you know, in our camp, we've got Lula Lacroix, who's been responsible for the last God knows how many championship winning cars. I mean, the FG was one of his, the BA was one of his, the BF was one of his, or BF rather was one of his as opposed to the BA. But uh, there's, there's a huge amount of depth between both of our organisations. And then when you extend outside of uh, outside of the continental Australia, the, that that uh, that that experience and depth is, is is even even greater still. So yeah, I think it, it would make sense. It would make sense to partner. Um, it's not it's not imperative, but it would certainly make sense to do it. Well, on the future, there, I guess you know you look at the the category now, and there's no Ford factory support. Um, you know, Nissan's in until the end of next year. And beyond is unknown. Holden, likewise, the end of 2019. 
Uh, is manufacturer backing kind of as crucial as it once was, given the changes that are happening? And, and, and in reflection, do you think it actually has much effect on the racing? Because as you mentioned before, you know, it was a little uh, family team essentially that won Bathurst this year, same again last year. You know, it's the squads that don't have the factory backing that are still doing the winning. Yeah, absolutely right. I think that there has been a massive paradigm shift over the last couple of years because the days in which a manufacturer turns up and basically hands out blank checks are long gone. And it means that, that teams have had to change and evolve their business model um, from, you know, for performance racing to pro drive racing Australia. That team have, have gone from, for, for lack of a better way of putting it, being on the manufacturer teat to surviving without it. And they're doing so pretty, pretty bloody well any way you look at it, I think. I mean, they've have uh, obviously won a championship and uh, on all those and all those things that are a pretty good indication that uh, they've managed to get it done. I mean, Ford have made their position clear on supercars and and they do help both us and Pro Drive out in a tangential way. And also, as you know, I, I can't credit them enough with how they worked with us when they were scaling down their manufacturing operations in Broadmeadows and Geelong to ensure that we had the panels that we need for the lifespan of the car and and all of the other all of the other things that you take for granted when the, when the stamp press in Geelong's putting out panels punching out panels basically to your needs and all those sorts of things when that goes away it can have a massive impact on 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 what it is that we do and I can't credit them enough for for the lengths that they went to to ensure that we weren't going to be compromised through that process they were fantastic but they don't have an appetite to go supercars racing that hasn't changed, but it's not stopping us from going supercars racing. I think the manufacturer piece, there's a couple of different ways you can look at it. I think there's always going to be interest, but it has to be, it has to be in a way that is uh, competitive within the commercial landscape across, across, I suppose, their marketing budgets, for lack of a better way of putting it. I mean, we are the sport of the industry. Scaife says that all the time. Supercars is a sport. Supercars motorsport is a sport of the car industry. So there's a natural, there is a, a natural, I suppose, link, link back and logical link back. But we are fighting pretty furiously within the entire sponsorship landscape for that essential commercial marketing dollar. So for the sort of, sort of money that sees them get their logos on a footy jersey. We're asking for, well, we have traditionally been asking for significantly more than that to help um, homologate cars and, and, and manage the cost of change. The whole business has shifted since that time. We only see, we, we, we don't see that level of involvement from other manufacturers that we've seen in the past. But there is a, there is a case, I think, to continue to see modern-looking cars on the grid competing with the footy codes and with other sporting codes for a similar quantum of financial support from these guys and doing it in a way that, this is, that the teams can not only be competitive but can be sustainable entities. There's a way forward through it and, and there is a way to navigate through all that. And I think that with, the, with, with more time and as time goes by, we're going to see that evolve and we're going to see more, more instances of that being the case. But we're still in that transitional phase where teams have been getting millions and millions of dollars from manufacturers and... Uh, and, uh, and going racing accordingly. One of the things that we've been kicking around in the office the, the last week is Triple Eight have got their existing supercar program running, but they've been really working hard on the new existing ZB with the V6. Do you think that they've 
I mean, that must be a draining thing to run two consecutive programs and try and do the R&D and, and really work with what you've got. Do you think it's much of a drain on them to have both those programs running concurrently? I think that it can be. It can be a distraction if it's not managed accordingly and you need to resource it. You need to resource it in the right way too and also lean on external uh, and outside help to, to make sure you get it done. But it's just, it's just good. It just requires good planning and, and good management more than anything else. But uh, it's, it's hard even, even if you, even if you do create an, uh, even if you do create a Chinese wall type setup and, and have parallel chains of development, it's, it's hard for that not to become a distraction in some way. Um, but, you, but the easiest way to do it is to, is in my opinion at least, um, ensure that you plan accordingly and and uh, and you're not stretching your people too much. But ultimately, I guess every out for this year for them, that's every hour that they've spent on the future program is an hour they're not spending working on the current program. Surely that's got to have an impact on competitiveness at the end of the day. Well, I think it. I think it goes without saying that that it that it may do, but then the dividends for that don't uh, don't pay out for another year down the road when. The, when they're competitive in racing with the new the new product, I mean it's just it's a bigger it's the macro of uh, of what the teams do week in week out. So we're going racing every couple of weeks, and and we feel it no more so than what we feel of over the next couple of events. You know, a couple of weeks turnaround from the from Bathurst to Gold Coast, a couple of weeks then before we uh, go to Auckland. In in the midst of getting cars prepped and ready, you're thinking about. What other trinkets, gadgets, gizmos, and changes can we develop to make things go quicker? So you, we're doing that anyway, and you've got uh, basically uh, organisations where every person within engineering, every, every person within manufacturing, every one of the mechanics wears multiple hats for multiple roles and, and multiple responsibilities. It's just that developing a new car um, is is probably the biggest biggest of those uh, of those types of projects that you would ever encounter and those guys have been there and done that before and they've done so with tremendous degrees of success i mean no more so than the than the change the change from ford to, to holden in 2009 that's the, that's i mean that's the biggest one that you can look at that in, included uh, changing the engine program or actually developing an engine program themselves and and all of those sorts of things Yes, there's a lot of similarities now with what's happening and what we're seeing with the V6, but it's it's I'm sure that uh, I'm sure they'd probably market in in a similar vein to that too. But uh, it's not as if it's their first roadshow, I suppose. Now the, the other thing talking point that we've had in the office over the last couple of days is was um, Tim Slade at Bathurst. He looked physically drained and wrecked, and I want to throw it out to to you, Ryan, as well as Lewis and Will. Is there a duty of care to the driver for someone to call him in at some point and go, you're exhausted, come in now, or do you let them make the call? Oh, you have to do it in concert. It, it's something that must be done in concert. Um, I think every every team boss, every team manager, every race engineer would probably handle it a little bit differently. But you're not going to sacrifice you're not going to sacrifice a guy's health for the sake of a, of a place in the top ten of a of a race like that. You're just not going to do it. Um, it's something that that uh, you do see from time to time, and we've got measures in the cars with cool suits and all those sorts of things, so we we can have a, a basic indication of what the what the the driver's health is 
from from that comfort level perspective. But when you start hearing nonsense down the radio and you see some of the images like that, it, it comes time to call time. But there also needs to be a willingness from the driver to acknowledge that they're spent. Um, so there, yeah, there's a fine line between the two. But I think they handled it. They handled it well in the end. They got him out of the car. Um, I, I wasn't scanning their radio to know what what dialogue was going on there. But but I know from I know from our guys, if in a similar circumstance, we would there would be a bit of a discussion over the radio before they would come in if they were instructed to do so. Because uh, the superstars that we have are always going to want to fight to the end and and give it everything they've got and not admit defeat. Now, there's a great saying, a man is finished when he's defeated, he's only finished when, he's, when he quits. And uh, you're talking about some seriously competitive individuals um, who, don't, who won't necessarily want to call time until it's, it's at the bitter end like it was the slave there when they pulled him out of the car that um, this past weekend. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with Ryan there. Um... And, and Tim's one of the fittest guys mm. in the paddock. So when those images came up on screen, what you saw is probably, it probably looks worse than it actually is. And Tim's also smart enough to know his own limits. Mm. And, and I thought back to um, Alex Premer at Sydney in 2012. Yep. And the team actually made the call to bring him in because, you know, you have the evidence and the data that they're not functioning. And, and BJR would have been the same. They would have known that, all right, he looks terrible, but he's doing the job and mm. he seems to be, you know, performing well within his own limits because again he's going to know those more than most people so but in the end the right call was made because they did pluck him out of the car and you know, yeah it avoided a catastrophe but yeah they waited until they they had to and there's nothing wrong with that they they knew more than the tv cameras did but it was still after two incidents had occurred with slade like he went off at griffin's bend or went around at griffin's bend you could argue that perhaps maybe the call could have been made sooner you could on that basis but yeah. Again, I'm looking at that just looking off the basis of seeing that happen. Yeah, and they, and they made the call in according to that, like, you know, responding to those two things. But before that, clearly it was, you know, all right for him to continue. And they they did the best they could. They cracked the windows and the like. And there's not much more you can really do in those circumstances. And, you know, granted, if it was a street track, you might have noticed a bit earlier. But they also would have looked at the context, I assume. You know, if it was mm. somewhere like that, they might have actually put him out earlier. Again, it sort of highlights just with these cars. It was not exactly, it was not certainly not what you would call a warm day at Bathurst. No, I mean, it was definitely Parker weather. Yeah, I remember it, 2012 Sydney, like which was just notoriously hot and you know, was it was appalling. It, yeah, it was the final race of the the car of the past or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and James Courtney made the comment that you know he was really surprised that air conditioning wasn't something factored into the car of the future because you know you had I think was it. Dave Reynolds was burning his hand or melting mm. a boot or something mm. like that. Yeah, you had Prema yeah. passing out. Yeah. But you had this kind of craziness, and this was like one safety feature that was ignored, which um, you know at the time seemed kind of strange, given that there are hot races and these cars are like notorious for getting, you know, to 60, 70 degrees Celsius for hours at a time. And well, it's funny. I was going to say it's funny you say that because the next round we go to is the Gold Coast, which is nice and warm and hot in a concrete jungle, and so you know anything can can happen up there. Yeah, I think you take a you take a different you take a slightly different mentality um, into those sorts of events. But but don't lose sight that despite the fact that there have been um, evaluations over over the over time of air conditioning systems and all those sorts of things, the effectiveness of what we run in the cars now with the with the cool suits um, and the, the cold air in the helmets and all those sorts of things are, are pretty impressive. There's an, 
a degree of physicality and you have to muscle these cars to get a lap time out of them at the best of times, that's never going to go away. And we have to find the balance between what's best for safety and, and what's what's best for, for comfort and ergonomics. And I think the systems that we've got are very, very effective, but equally simple as opposed to, to an air conditioning system. And, and I think that that's been, been one of the considerations as to why we haven't seen that introduced. Yeah, and I think you just look at the safety record of the sport recently as well with the, the leg protection and the, the what was mandatory, um, you know, window nets from this year, which, you know, became optional, which I know you guys run on your cars, Ryan. So I think, yeah, safety clearly is a priority for the sport and that, that can't really be disputed at this stage. For sure, and that's not going to go away. I mean, we, we, we take a tremendous degree of pride in 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 the leg tray and how that and how that worked through and and equally I know Erebus have, have done an awful amount of work and invested a huge amount of money in their e-cell and their e-cell seat as well there's these it takes the teams as well as the series to innovate on that front and and it comes from expertise and understanding as things evolve and change of what's needed to ensure that you know if 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 if, if we have an accident the steerer can get out and walk away if uh, we have failures with the systems that are meant to keep these guys uh, keep these guys as comfortable as we can make them behind the wheel, that uh, we've got we've got ways in which we can we can manage all of that as well. It's it's something that we'll continue to see evolve, but uh, we're we're pretty proud to have con- contributed to to some of that in, in recent times, and we'll we'll work pretty hard to continue to do so. Looking at all the, the numbers before we go, the uh, Pertec Enduro Cup with one round remaining has uh, Coulthard and Alberto at 480 points with Waters and Stanaway 36 points behind. Team Championship, Red Bull, sorry, Red Bull HRT is second with 318 points behind Shell V Power Racing, which Ryan, you'd be very happy about. And Fabian Coulthard leads the championship. So it's pretty good reading across for your team, across all those numbers so far. <laughs> Yeah, no pressure or nothing, but yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. It's, it's it's where it's it's where everyone wants to be, and uh, you know we've we've been consistent all year, and 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 want to keep showing that, and keep punching, and and uh, hopefully we can collect some surfboards coming up, and uh, yeah, it, look, regardless, uh, this is very cliched to say in a lot of respects, but regardless of how the season turns out for us, what we've managed to do this year after three years of running is that. We're not striving for mediocrity in a world of excellence. We are here to compete and to win races and 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 race against the very best. And uh, that's what we want to keep doing. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna press on and give it give it everything it's got and uh, and try and uh, try and take it home. And one more thing: Shane Van Gisbergen, fifth place in the championship, but only 289 points behind. Wow! He declared mm. that his championship was over at Sandown. His Bathurst form wasn't outstanding, but if anyone can pull off a um, remarkable finish, I'd you know, suggest it's Shane. And yeah, well, it's still, you know, it's you, you still very much wide off. open. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, there's a lot to play. All right, Ryan, thank you for your time. It's been great to have you to be able to speak to you today on the Fox Motorsport Supercars podcast. No, it's, it's, been, it's been fantastic to uh, be on the other side of it. I love listening, and, uh, and uh, hopefully, hopefully this episode... Uh, isn't a, a massive letdown with, with only half as much David Reynolds as should be <laughs> mandatory. Well, we try and get him on as much as possible when he's you know he's either he's won Bathurst for us, you know, we picked him to win on the podcast. We, <laughs> we taught him everything we knew and he still won anyway. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and then we try and grab him when he can when he's not on holidays or doing other stuff, globe trotting around the world. So um 
Yeah, it's, it's always good to chat to him. Lewis, thanks for your time today. No, thank you very much. Will, thank you very much. And we'll see everyone after the Gold Coast round.